posed as a meter reader. I put a bug on the tall kid's mom's place. For three hours straight, all they talked about was something called Babylon 5. Hey, it's Mike. Welcome to Intergalactic, the podcast about the most essential sci-fi TV and movies of all time. This week, we're launching a new series, and it's all about one of the absolute best TV shows ever made. Not just sci-fi TV shows, best TV shows ever made. A TV show so good, it inspired the creators of Lost, Battlestar Galactica, probably hundreds of other shows. A show so good, and I'm so stupid. I didn't start watching it until 30 years after its premiere episode. And now that I've seen the whole thing, it's one of my all-time favorites. And there's so much about it I want to explore. Yes, I'm talking about Babylon 5. And here to help me kick things off is Scott McFarlane from the Gray 17 podcast. What's up, Scott? Hey, how we doing? Thanks for having me on. I am a huge fan of your podcast, Gray 17, the best Babylon 5 podcast on the internet. There's been a lot of them popping up over the past couple years. I think, was it the inclusion of B5 on HBO Max that did it, probably? Yeah, there's been about, and by the way, checks in the mail for saying it's the best one. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but there's probably been about three waves of B5 podcasts. Uh, there was a wave that came out uh, early to late 2000s that included... Um, the Babylon po- uh, podcast, which is actually called Friends of Ours, it included the audio guide to Babylon 5 and a few other ones. And then yeah. I think you had a couple more come out in the late te- uh, teens. And then with um, the double whammy of COVID and then also Babylon 5 winding up remastered on HBO Max, that kind of got the the rest of the, us kind of motivated to do it. Uh, my co-host and I, Blake, have been talking about doing it for I don't know, almost a decade now, we finally decided to pull the trigger. So we've been going at it now for two and a half years, or two years. You guys are on season four now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you're you're one of those podcasts that covers a series straight through. You started with a gathering, and you're going episode by episode with deep discussions. What I find really interesting about your podcast is you have like sometimes you'll have up to eight to nine. I think you may have had like 10 co-hosts at one time on one episode, but it doesn't, I don't know how you do it. You're like herding cats over there, but you do such a good job because it's so listenable. And I know everybody's personality. Everyone has a distinct voice. Um, No one's really talking over each other yet. It all sounds very natural and there's great banter along with like really great, compelling analysis of the show. I have no idea how you do that. I've hosted a few podcasts in the day and specifically TV show podcasts. I did one on Mr. Robot years ago. I launched one about Star Trek Discovery a few years ago. That's still going on. But I could never handle more than like having two or three co-hosts. Just just as a podcast nerd, like how do you do that with so many co-hosts and just make it make sense? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it is absolutely hurting cats. One of the nice things is that everyone on the show uh, I have been friends with for at least 20 years. Uh, a couple of them, Mike and Emily, I were friends with, with uh, in high school. So we've known each other for 30 years. Uh, so that makes things easier. And one of the things I really want to do with this show, because I had listened to a lot of B5 podcasts as well as other TV reviews. And usually this the setup is you've got a podcast where it's people who have watched the show already talking about the show, which is great. And I enjoy those, but usually you don't get anyone experiencing it for the first time. And uh, unlike you, I watched B5 in the nineties. I was there watching the gathering on PTEN in 1993. Uh, and so I haven't been able to experience this show as a newbie, as we call them in three decades. So I really wanted to get some folks on there who had not experienced the show before. And then also I I picked a couple friends who really have not experienced sci-fi. So that is also interesting. This is not only their first dabble in B5, it's their first dabble in sci-fi television. So um, I had uh, one of our newbies uh, calls it the Star War. Uh, so it tells you how much they're in, they're in the sci-fi. Uh, yeah. But it's it's been great because, and like many people who find this show, um, 
they have learned to love it along the way. And some of them didn't love it at first, which is even more fun because we, we have that dynamic. So in terms of hurting the cats, uh, they all yell at me and hate me sometimes, but we get it done. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the show. I know you're on season four. There's only five seasons. You're going to get through season five. I guess my next question is going to feed into what we're going to talk about today, which is the B5 movies, Mm -hmm. the Babylon 5 TV movies and the new made-for-DVD movie. Um, Are you guys going to cover the ancillary material, the movies, the crusade, stuff like that? Because you only have like a season and a half left of show proper to go. So we are going to cover most of the movies that deal well, we've decided so far in this, we're going to finish our show probably recording in September. So we're nearly there. Uh, but we've decided so far that we are going to do anything that's related to the station proper. So that means um, obviously they started with the gathering. We had just, we just did third space. We are going to do um, in the beginning. Did you say turd space? Uh, <laughs> well, hey, we're going to get to that. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that is what Mike uh, coined it on our show, turd space. But um, we're going to do River of Souls. We're going to do uh, The Road Home. Uh, I will probably do uh, the um, uh, Called Arms, although that one is kind of a question mark because it's more mm-hmm. of a pilot for Crusade. Right. I don't think we're going to do Legends of the Rangers. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and I also am questioning Lost Tales. But uh, yeah, uh, we're going to figure it out as we go. Now, are we going to do Crusade? Not with the show proper, but we may do some kind of bonus episodes with Crusade. My my thing is I am doing this chronologically in the show. And so for those who have watched the entire show, there's a big gap between season five, episode 21 and the season finale, a series finale, Sleeping in Light. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this stuff, River of Souls, Call to Arms, Legend of the Rangers, Crusade, they all fall in that 20-year gap between the two episodes. And I don't want to be bogged down in stuff that honestly is lower quality than what mm-hmm. B5 was. Sure. And then, oh, by the way, here is Sleeping in Light. I want to make sure the newbies experience sleeping in light in a way where they haven't like had to run the gauntlet to get to it. So that's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, that's a good plan. I'm kind of doing the opposite and starting with the um, not so great stuff that I still kind of think is great, which is the movies. Um, Today, we're going to talk about just kind of run down all the movies and our opinions on them and kind of the stories behind them and how we feel about them. It's it's the first episode of this Babylon 5 podcast, which... You know, it's just going to be a loose hang. So I appreciate you coming on to hang out. But I wanted to start with the movies, not only because your show is covering the series proper in such a great way. There are a number of shows that are doing that. I think I just wanted to do something different. And I just finished the series a few months ago and just kind of dove into the movies. And I'm just oddly fascinated by <laughs> by these movies and the stories behind them and why they were made and, and the quality behind them. And of course the road home that just came out um, in the middle of last year that also helped kind of re-energize the fandom and re-energize people to, to get into the show again and to, to start podcast and and stuff like that about the show. We have the new Blu-rays out, which I hope to, to nab it on Blu-ray soon. So there's a lot of like, it's a cool wellspring of Babylon five shit happening. And it feels, feels good to be in this fandom right now. And I still, I, I'm one of the guys who says we haven't peaked yet. I'm going to knock on wood here. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get reboot news in this year. I really, really do. I really hope so. And I, I don't have any specific wants or needs from the reboot, just that it is halfway as compelling as the original mm-hmm. show was. That's all I can say. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I trust JMS. He's going to be show running it. Um, and also, even if it's, you know, not spectacular, it will get people to go, okay, this is a reboot of something. Let me go back and watch this thing I haven't heard about before. Mm-hmm. So it's going to bring more people into the fandom one way or the other. And if you're a member of JMS's Patreon, you know a little bit more than what we all can say. But yeah. I'm I'm hopeful and I'm knocking wood. That's all I'm yeah. going to do. I haven't read the latest Patreon uh, post in the past, you know, several weeks. So... If there's something new, I'm probably going to dive into it tonight. So yeah, there's something in there. He he gave a little something out. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Very cool. 
Yeah, I've become a huge fan of JMS too. I I read his autobiography, which is amazing. Yeah. I know you've read it. Mm-hmm. And it does definitely give some great insight into Babylon 5 and into these movies we're going to talk about, but really great it gives great insight into the man and his family and what inspired him to to become such a a prolific writer. And it also makes you think about the themes of Babylon 5 when you read mm-hmm. that when you read that book, like that theme that runs throughout the show of like embracing righteous rebellion in the face of creeping fascism is so damn potent throughout the show. And you see that in JMS's life when you read this book so much. And it, it's it's also so relevant today, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, more so today than it was in the '90s, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people say you know uh, the show's prophetic. Of course, all this, a lot of this stuff has been going on since the beginning of time. But yeah, it does feel more relevant now than than it did in the '90s. That's one of the main reasons I love the show. Um, the theme of outgrowing your parents through struggle and strife on on this massive cultural scale is so interesting, so specific. You have such compelling characters and talented actors that just make a meal of everything they're given, especially, you know, the fan favorites, Peter Jurassic, uh, Andreas Katsulas. Really, everybody's just really good. Every one of them knocked out of the park. And the thing you got to recognize, too, with this show is it wasn't Star Trek in the way that they had a big budget. These guys filmed on an old hot tub factory lot. <laughs> yeah. And they were working for... Uh, at the end, they were getting about a million dollars an episode, but that's that's nothing compared to the four million that every Star Trek episode was getting, and so forth and so on. So, it's um, what they did with what they had is just an amazing. And uh, as JMS points out, faith manages, and it did. It definitely did, and I'm glad you said faith manages because I want the listener to know whoever's listening to this. Obviously, we're going to talk some spoilers today, and you are the Babylon 5 OG. You can quote the show, uh, you know, the only I, I just got into the show and I love it, but I, you know, I'm I'm just starting. So like I can kind of like the only quote I can think of is not the one. And I'll probably screw that up if I try to say it again. <laughs> not the one, not the yeah, one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I might I might trip up a little bit. I've only gone to the show once. I've only yeah. seen these movies once. So this well, podcast is going to help me like really dive in and explore explore the entire show again with a bunch of different people. So I'm excited about that. It's okay though. I still make mistakes, and when I do, our commenters make sure they let me know that I make mistakes because you know um, I've watched this show dozens and dozens of times, but I, I have purposefully not watched the whole show. Mm-hmm. since we've started this podcast. And so right. the last time I did a full watch through, which included half of season four and season five that we haven't gotten to yet was in 2019. So um, I, I am watching week to week with our newbies. The first time I've watched week to week of this show since 1990s. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mess up sometimes and my fans let me know. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, hopefully they won't be too hard on me. Um, so this podcast series which oddly is kicking off with talking about some of the Babylon 5 content that a lot of fans just kind of skip or are not interested in. Um, This series is actually called Essential Babylon 5. And I'm going to try and cover the best of the series or what I think is the best. So I I do think that some of the movies fit under that category, maybe not all of them. So I kind of wanted to go through some of these movies, get your opinion on them, and maybe get your your rankings on them. Tell me which ones you you like the best. That'll help me going forward because I definitely want to do like full episodes about at least two or three of these movies. Yeah. So yeah, so Babylon 5 has like eight movies or eight <laughs> movie-ish pieces of content. Technically, The Lost Tales are two episodes, yeah. but they came out on one DVD, so you could definitely call it a movie and it's not... Right. It's not on the Blu-ray, so you got to go find it. It's on its own. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, hit up those thrift stores. Um, but it's great, especially if you're a new fan like me and you burn through binge-watching the series and you're jonesing for more B5 content afterwards. Like, it's just great. You're like, oh, there's there's like eight movies? Hell yeah. 
Um, there's also Crusade for that, which I just started watching last week, and I'm enjoying despite how the network apparently mishandled that oh, show. Yeah. That's and as, since you've read JMS's autobiography, you know yeah. how that all shuffled yeah. out. Crusade was canceled before it hit the airwaves, so yep. it's disappointing. Um, I think Crusade had a lot of potential, and uh, unfortunately, it, it never got a chance to find its legs. That's a bummer because the cast is great. I mean, Gary Cole playing this very anti-Sheridan character is so yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. And Galen's one of my favorite characters yeah. in the B5 universe. I love Galen a lot. And actually, you said there was eight movies. There was going to be another one. Uh, JMS doesn't own the rights to the TV show, so he's at the will of Warner Brothers on that. But he actually, in his contract, he owns the rights to any movies that are made. Mm-hmm. Not straight to DVD, but actual theatrical movies. And so in the early 2000s, he had written a script uh, that was called The Memory of Shadows. And it was going to be led by Galen uh, tracking down Shadow Tech. And you know what? I would have loved to see that movie, but unfortunately it never got made. But So there could have been nine. It could have been nine. One could have been theatrical. Well, we're holding out hope, right? Mm-hmm. We're holding out hope that, that things haven't peaked yet. So we'll see. But yeah, the, the movies that were produced are an odd thing for B5, right? Because yeah. the, the thing about this series, the thing it does best, most people would say, is long-form arc-based storytelling right pulling you in with these extended emotional epic arcs that span the entire series like watching things from the early seasons pay off in massive ways in later seasons experiencing the the rewarding growth of each character finding all these surprises along the way watching the the changes the evolutions of the show and the characters over the five-year span that just was something that really wasn't done on primetime TV in the 90s. And it does it so exquisitely that so many shows and showrunners have modeled um, themselves after what JMS did in the 90s with B5. But that's not what these movies do, especially these, you know, like a, a chunk of them are just these weird little stories that don't seem to carry the dramatic weight of, of, the, of the series. Uh, of course, none of these movies benefit from from the arc based storytelling so I, I get why a lot of people maybe don't like the b5 movies and, and that's cool like but me i i see the faults in these movies i i'm not super compelled by most of them but i find parts of them boring and corny but but i still kind of find them very watchable and really fun and there's one in particular that i've actually seen twice already and it's just mm. it's just it's just a fun one um I own the the five movie collection on DVD and and I've sought out the others on various platforms. Um, I kind of don't love them, but I'm fascinated by them. So, you know, besides the, you know, the background history of how these movies got made and, and that kind of context, just what's your overall opinion of the B five movie canon? Going into this watch through that I'm doing now, um, aside from the gathering, because it is you really it's essential viewing because it's the pilot, and in the beginning, which is kind of a a, a pilot for those who came to the show late, um, the other ones, as you say, are kind of really the the they don't need to be watched if you don't want to, and for to that extent, for a couple of these, um, I watched them on TNT when they aired. And I have not watched them again. Uh, so that was 1998. Well, and then Legend of the Rangers came out later, and so did um, the Lost Tales. But for Third Space, River of Souls, uh, and Call to Arms, um, I don't think I've watched any of them in the last 20-some-odd years until this rewatch. So for me, as a as an old-school fan, I, I, I kind of let them go on the wayside. But... That being said, I have been honestly, um, I've been surprised with how much that I do have find things I enjoy about them. Uh, there's definitely areas where, oh, this was padded because you needed an hour and 30 runtime rather than 45 minutes. And that gets a little doggish sometimes. But for the most part, I, I think uh, if you leave them on the table and you don't watch them, it's not going to hurt you in terms of recognizing what B5 is. But I think you're going to be uh, you're you'll get something out of it if you watch them, whether they're good or not. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to your point, to your point, 
we have such amazing characters in the show. The movies give these, some of these characters time to shine when they probably didn't get as much time elsewhere just because they get elevated. And part of that is behind the scenes. They didn't have a lot of money to film these. So JMS and the team couldn't hire all the main players for all the movies. So uh, for some of them, you get some of, uh, some of them and other movies, you get some other people and the other people are missing and so forth and so on. And that really is just because of budget. So that allows people like Lockley and River of Souls to come out and have some more to do uh, and so forth and so on. So that that makes them worthwhile in my book, at least a little bit. Will I rewatch them as much as I watch the series? No, but they're still enjoyable. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, especially um, the way some of these movies highlight some of the some of the side characters. Right. So I'm just going to list the movies real quick in order, and then I'm going to ask you for for your your favorite. So going to put me on the spot. Okay. Going to do it. So we start with The Gathering, 1993, the original pilot. Then there. Which version? There's two. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> and then uh, and then there's uh, In the Beginning. So that's yep. five years later, 1998 on TNT. Uh, Third Space, 1998 as well. River of Souls, also 98. Part of that TNT trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. A Call to Arms comes out in 1999, largely a, a pilot. Uh, or a backdoor pilot for the Crusade series. Mm-hmm. Legend of the Rangers, 2002. Sci-Fi Channel. On Sci-Fi Channel, maybe the biggest oddity of the bunch, which was itself supposed to be a pilot for a new series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Babylon 5, The Lost Tales, which, as you talked about before, is kind of uh, two different dispersed episodes slapped together and sold as a special, maybe. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the latest one, the animated feature Babylon 5 The Road Home just came out in 2022. So, yeah, give me your favorite. Let's talk about it. Uh, I would say my favorite uh, is In the Beginning, even though it really is just a clip show. But Very I well love, said, yes. yeah. I, I, I love it because it is a good entry point to the series. I don't ever tell anybody – I know a lot of people do this, but I never tell somebody to start watching In the Beginning as an entry point uh, because there's way too many spoilers in it. But – yes. It is a good entry point, and I think it's the most well-made because uh, because you're able to use a lot of plot points that have already come along. It's much more – it feels more epic than the other movies. To your point, they're kind of side quests, and they really don't deal with the series proper that much. Within the beginning, uh, it is the first four seasons of the show – made to fit an hour and a half runtime and it's done really well. I think it's the one that holds up the most of those nineties and early two thousands movies in the beginning, I think is maybe the only one of these movies that is truly essential. It's something you're, you're going to get a lot out of it if you're a fan and if you've seen the entire series, I think it's great to show to new viewers after they've seen the bulk of the series, maybe up to Mm -hmm. the end of season four. Mm -hmm. And I think TNT commissioned this thing in 1998 because the show jumped networks to TNT, right? In 98. Correct. And um, TNT wanted kind of a, an explainer movie to get new fans interested in this property that they purchased. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Cause you know, you couldn't binge all four seasons, although TNT, to their credit, did play all four seasons when it before it came out when they took credit uh, took uh, license of it. But it's there's no streaming, there's no DVDs, there's no VHS unless you have somebody who pirated them for you, which I did. Um, but you, if you want to get into season five of a show, this movie was the way to catch you up. It's a prequel, but it's it's a rare prequel that enriches the series while also sometimes feeling like a DVD extra or bonus feature reel, which is odd. You're completely right. It is a prequel, but in true JMS fashion, it also is a sequel because we get to see Londo 20 years after season five, and we get to have those interactions that really don't pay off until Sleeping in Light. And some of them never pay off because we didn't get anything else after that. So it's... It, it definitely is something to where, um, yeah, you said, I mean, I think it's just, even though a lot of it truly is just clips from other episodes, it is essential watching. And I think it's the most theatrical of all of them. 
It really is. I really like a lot of In the Beginning. The the bookend pieces with Londo, as you mentioned, are fascinating and so tragic just to see what he's become right at that point. The reveal that those framing scenes take place during it's war without end, right? They take place during that. Yeah. It's just awesome. And and, right before his death, like literally minutes before his death. Right. But (laughs) (laughs) there, there will be sport. This is a show for fans. You already Um, called it out. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, somewhere around the middle of this movie, uh, this one feels like a bunch of bonus features strung together instead of, instead of like the gripping narrative kind of loses its way a little bit, especially if you've seen the series, we see a lot of scenes retelling us information we already know from the series or even Mm -hmm. scenes repeated from the series. And while I sometimes appreciate the extra context or the new context, a lot of it just feels like we're watching stuff I'd already seen and already knew. And it gets a little boring, right? I will, I will say the one area where I think the different perspective is good is when we get to the battle of the line, because we didn't know how Delenn went from, Atonement in Delenn, where she basically starts the war, and I stand behind that. I had a fight on my podcast about it. I heard it. it. Um, To Delenn we see in The Gathering, how do we get there? And this shows us those seeds at the bow of the line that we didn't get before. And then also we get the the new information that the Vorlons were there too. And right. Kosh was there too. So that's a that's a the one big reveal of in the beginning uh that we didn't have before. Also the idea that Delenn tried to sue for peace and Londo was the one who stopped that peace. Right. So those are the, I'd love those little bits that you only get in in the beginning. You also find out that Sheridan met Delenn beforehand and that Jakar Dr. Franklin and Sheridan went on a crazy adventure together uh, It's like the five comic- years before they actually met. So a <laughs> little, little fun retconning there. Yep. Despite that, like some of the, some of the new stuff in this movie is great. Like one piece of it that will, that just burned itself into my memory. And it's Londo's speech about humanity's bravery and perseverance mm-hmm. during the, the Mimbari war. And the visual sequence that plays over that is so artfully done. Yes. That's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful part of the movie. Also, the, there's a shit ton of spoilers for the series in this. So th- the idea that some people actually encourage others to start the series by watching this is weird to me. But, you know, to each his own. I I wouldn't do that. Um, We're going to have happy. our new. Okay. Oh, I'm happy you didn't start your newbies with with this movie. Are you guys you guys are eventually going to cover this? They're going to get right after season four, so we're about twelve episodes away from in the beginning. Right on. So in the beginning, your number one B five movie. Yeah. What's uh, what's number two for you, Scott? I, I got to go with the new one, The Road Home. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, for one, uh, cheesy wise, it is like coming home. We haven't had these characters together. In since the, uh, you know, late nineties, we had a few of them pop up here and there in other media, but really we have not gotten to see Sinclair and, uh, all of those folks again now. Uh, and I really think they did a great job. I, I feel JMS put together a good story. The animation I thought was, was really good. I've, I'm not a big fan of quote unquote modern animation. I'm more of a, you know, eighties, nineties kind of guy, but uh, they did a really good job. It looks like high quality stuff, which is Warner Brothers animation. That's what they're known for. And then also, I love that it leaves us in a place where we're ready for more. And um, and I think that was intentional. I think that the idea that it may be a different multiverse universe, but all of our friends are together ready for a new adventure at the end. And I, I, I love that. I found that really surprising. And really fun and hopeful that ending. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would love to see more adventures take place in that in that universe and that timeline, whatever you want to call it. That that the movie leaves us on with uh, a fresh face Sheridan meeting a the bald and bonehead uh, Delenn for the first time, and the characters we love still, you know, relatively young and alive and all together. Even um, Sinclair is around. Well, you have you have Lockley, Sinclair, and Sheridan all on the Zocalo yeah. at the same time. 
So like, cool. You, how, how do you pull that off? Well, you use a different universe is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like the movie. It's definitely one that I feel like I'll probably rewatch every year just to get the, just to get the going home vibes from it, mm-hmm. you know, just to get the celebration vibes of the entire series. Um, one of the best things about it is, well, the animation is excellent. Um, but one of the best things about it is how Bruce Boxleitner just instantly inhabits Sheridan mm-hmm. does such a great job throughout the whole thing. Absolutely. Like, you can tell it's his favorite role to play. Every time he's asked to play it, you know, even years after the series is over, he just slides right in there and does a great job and yes. kind of feels like he's having a blast. Mm-hmm. I also, too, um, I like that we get some closure for some of our cast in this movie too mm. i was really hoping for closure for my buddy lanier which i didn't get but it's okay yeah when i when i found out bill movie had was part of the cast i was like okay here it is this is gonna make up for season five here it comes redemption and, redemption yeah but um that may be a next the next movie i'm sure i i'm i'm you know i'm i'm 80 on the reboot i am 99 sure and i don't have any inside information i'm just basing this off my assumptions I'm 99% sure based on the sales of that thing and how easy they are to make for Warner brothers. When you look at DC stuff, they put out like every six months, this will not be our last B five animated movie. So maybe we'll get a telepath war or something. Who knows? But I, I love the fact that you, you meet Chikar beyond the rim, which is wonderful. Uh, just the idea that Chikar found himself at the end. And yes, it's not really Chikar. It's quote unquote God, but, you get the idea that there's a reason why that entity picked Jakar because he probably ran into Jakar on his little quest to find out what's out there. You get to see what happens to some of our other characters. Franklin is off uh, being a teacher and still friends with Garibaldi. Uh, you get to see just the the progression of these folks. And I, my favorite movie of all time is Interstellar. So I'm all for the idea that there's, uh, there's, there's more that connects us than the scientific stuff. So the idea that there's a connection between Dylan and Sheridan that's bridges the time. That's, that's great. I love that. It's, it's cheesy enough for me to, to latch onto. I love it too. And it, it echoes a theme that we saw in the series in Zaha Doom, one of the, one of the best episodes of the series. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad you mentioned the scene where Sheridan meets Jakar beyond the rim yeah because you know you see a lot of posts and a lot of people in fandom saying that's not jakar it should have been um, the other guy what's the other alien lorian yeah it should have been lorian but you know i i love that you appreciate that that is thematically jakar mm-hmm. and that's yeah, what uh, counts when last we saw him if you don't count legends of the rangers when last mm-hmm. we heard of jakar him and lita went on a quest beyond the rim to find out what's out there yeah and you, by this, you know, and of course, the fact that we lost Andreas Katsoulis, it makes it even more impactful, but we know that Jakar found what he was looking for. And exactly. of all the characters that needed to find what he was looking for, that's Jakar. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful closure for that character and uh, a wonderful final meetup between him and, and Sheridan, who, who I thought always had a, a special relationship on the show. I, I love the line Jakar says to him, you seem to need a friend, friend. That's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, that's what he needed right there at that moment. He needed Jakar and he got it and God, but Jakar too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, just one last thing on the road home, the animation design of the station and the ships is just beyond oh. unreal. This is what you want this stuff to look like when you watch the original series. I have a special place. I have a special love for the the original effects and, mm-hmm. you, you know, and the way they've remastered them now. It looks really good. Even from season one, like they were yeah. going for something and and they did it right. Uh, the tech wasn't always there, but the art was there. Mm-hmm. But what we see in this animated movie is just like the the pure vision like the best version of the way the station could look the way the ships could look um it's just beautiful absolutely that was the first image that jms put out when it got announced that this was coming and just that picture of the station it is the it, it has never looked more beautiful and it's animated but you really i mean that that station view that they put out i mean it's just 
it just it looked like okay that was that was everyone looking at that and saying okay they're going to do this right now i know some people will disagree with me and say that they didn't do it right or whatever but i think everything that they could have done to make that something that's worth coming back to 20 some odd years later they did and i also want to really throw out to the 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 voice cast who picked up the ball for people we lost um, they did a really excellent job. No one tried to ape anybody. They all did their own thing, but every one of them gave respect and honor to those characters that they took over for people. And that's what JMS had said. Um, he, he said he called up all the uh, existing cast members and said, hey, if we do this, we're going to have some people come in and speak on behalf of our friends we've lost. If anyone has a problem with that, we're not doing it. And all of the original cast said we're in, we're good. And they did it right. Yeah. Despite what you think about the plot elements of The Road Home, where it fits in canon in the series, or maybe it doesn't, for all these reasons we talked about, it's still a really special movie. Um, And it's one I'll definitely go back to over and over. And it is one that our newbies will watch right before Sleeping in Light. Well, very nice. All right. We're still in the top three. What's your third favorite B5 movie? Oh, I I would... It's a steep decline. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But I would say the TNT version of The Gathering is next. Uh, I really honestly can't watch the original Gathering anymore. <laughs> uh, which which the, one is on, uh, was on Tubi and Max? That's TNT's version. Okay. Okay. So when you actually, when you watch it, it'll say TNT presents. Oh. Um, the two, the two main differences are well there's three differences the 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 soundtrack so when you watch the gathering if it has a normal uh christopher franke uh soundtrack that you're used to on everything b5 that's the tnt version the original version had some kind of electrical synth thing going that was just they were experimenting and it didn't go well Mm. um and then two there's inserted language in there for example when um when uh Kosh meets the shapeshifter that is supposed to be Sinclair. He says, Intel Zavalin. That's not in the original, the gathering. And then, uh, the one I think that is the best change is the, the woman who played, um, I always have lurkers get up. I always plan ahead. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Laurel Takashima, which was, uh, Tamlin Tamita was the actress. Um, the studio and their amazing minds felt that she was too harsh uh, in terms of her voice work. So they d- made her redub all of her stuff for the original, the gathering. And so they, they made her tone down and a little bit meeker and, you know, stereotypically the, the woman character. And so the TNT version, they use her original, uh, uh, her original um, performance and it's just much better. And it allows her to be the character that she meant it to be. So I like that too. in the TNT version, but yeah, I, I I enjoy it because it does give us an entryway into all of this world, and it's something that I think has to be watched in order to start. You can't – I mean, I guess you could start watching at Midnight in the Firing Line, but I wouldn't recommend it. Well, you might be surprised. I want to Is that admit, where you started? I wanted to admit <laughs> that's how I started. I, I've actually never seen The Gathering all the way through. I just got – into the show last year yeah. and I started watching on Tubi without an episode guide in front of me or any one of the four or five suggested viewing orders that are floating around. So I just went to Tubi. I hit play. That's what Tubi played me midnight on the firing line. But I thought that was such a great captivating episode that I just kept going. Right. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, even after mm-hmm. I found out about the gathering, I was like, Oh, they did that like a year or two earlier than this episode, I was like, I don't really want to go back right now. I just want to go forward. So mm-hmm. I've, I've never really felt like going back to it. I think Midnight is such a great introduction to the show. And I, I also heard how JMS had some issues with the way the gathering turned out. Yeah, him and the director did not get along. Like you said, there's a re-edit that kind of mitigates some of those issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will watch it. I will watch it for this podcast. Maybe I'll watch both of them and and kind of compare and contrast. but. Yeah, do you think the gathering is that important and enriching to the story as a whole? Or or should we treat it should we treat it like a bonus feature like apparently it's presented on the new Blu-ray as a bonus feature? It is. Yeah. Uh, I believe it is. And that's how I started my show. I started the newbies watching uh the gathering. Now, I told them when they started watching it was like this is going to be a little rough. It drags. 
Um, the special effects aren't there yet. The sets, there's like maybe two sets that they redress over and over again because they were on a shoestring budget. And they all, all the characters haven't found their way yet. But there's a couple things in there that I really do feel helps to set up the the whole universe. And really what it comes down to is the interactions between everybody in Jakar and Londo. I think that the way the gathering sets up Jakar is great because Jakar is the villain or one of the villains of the gathering. And I think that's very important when you start the arc of Jakar and Jakar is Londo and Jakar are my two favorite characters in the entire show. So in order to get the full press of who Jakar is, I think going back to the gathering is really important because at the end of the gathering, literally he is the mustache twirling villain who they use as comedic relief. Uh, and to see him go from that to the savior and leader of his people and somebody who is uh, a guide and a dear friend to nearly everybody, including Londo is extremely fun to watch that arc. So just for Jakar alone, I would make the gathering a start, but also it gives you the universe. Londo talks about how the Centauri used to be a superior empire. And now they are a zoo attraction for the humans to come check out nine to five. Stuff like that that kind of gives right. you a, a play. I, I wish it was a better movie slash pilot. Uh, I think JMS would agree with me on that. Uh, but for what it is, I think it's it, it's good. But between the top two I mentioned and this one, there is absolutely a steep decline between those two and this one. All right. Well, let's let's dive further into that steep decline. <laughs> now we're getting into the valley. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> into the valley. What's what's your what's next on the list for you? Honestly, this changed last night. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Uh, when you told me we were going to be doing this, I realized, okay, as I mentioned, I am not watching ahead. So I was like, well, crap, I got to watch some movies here tonight. And I watched River of Souls, which I have only watched one time. Oh, you didn't have to do that. I could have gone with your 30-year-old memories, but I really appreciate you watching it. Yeah. No, no, I, I checked them all out. I, I felt like I needed to. Okay. Um, and actually, River of Souls, I always remembered as being one of the worst ones I'd ever seen. And again... <laughs> It's not, it's not the top, but I, I felt that it was a more put together movie than what I thought it originally was. The themes are there. You have some characters that you don't get to see interact very often, including Lockley kind of having a lead of it. You get to see Garibaldi when he is done being the season four, season five Garibaldi. He's in his new life, which I, I enjoy. You also see that in Call to Arms, but. Um, and the fact that Martin Sheen played a butthole alien one year before he's Josiah Bartlett just makes me chuckle. Literally that movie came out one year before West Wing, which is another one of my favorite movie shows. So I was like, okay, well, this is interesting, but yeah, no, I, so I would say the river of souls right now is a uh, number four for me. I find river of souls oddly compelling. I think it's one of the more comedic movies. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff between um, Lockley and um, who's uh, who's her number two. Forgot the character's name. Oh my goodness. See, I'm really doing terrible tonight. Aren't I Lockley uh -huh. and uh, Corwin is it Corwin? Corwin. Thank you. Yeah, yes. yeah. Corwin, Corwin, all that stuff. Like I can see how, if you were a fan in the nineties and you're watching this, you're like, what the fuck is going on? But um, it's like, with with some like distance from it, it's just fun. It's just it's just hilarious, right? And you get not only Martin Sheen being a, a complete wacko throughout the entire movie, which if you're into camp, you know you can feast on that and have a great time. But there's lots of great Jerry Doyle slash Garibaldi stuff in this, and seeing Garibaldi um, clash with Lockley through a whole ninety minute movie, you know that that's a blast for fans. I think. Um, but yeah, th this is just a weird, weird little side quest that is pretty fun. Like, you know, I'm going to echo maybe like the, the worst of the fandom here a little bit. It's like, why couldn't they do something that is, you know, if it's a side movie, why couldn't he write something about the telepath war or mm -hmm. something more about the shadows? Why do we have to have a movie based around the, one of the, the, the least loved uh, characters or aliens of B5, which is the Soul Hunters. Like, that's a little odd. But you got to applaud the effort, right? You got to applaud the effort. Here's one of the somewhat maybe most repellent 
uh, aliens that's ever been on this show. And JMS was just like, you know what? I'm diving in on this. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to really double back on this and see if I can make, make a meal out of this or, or it's been some gold out of this hay here. Yeah. Well, and uh, two things contextually on that, that kind of get to your point. When you, when we watched this the first time in 1998, this was about two months before Sleeping in Light came out. So not only are you watching us thinking, okay, we're going to get another another movie, and Third Space was meh, but in the beginning was really good, so let's see what this uh, new movie is. And we're like, this is how we're going to almost end the series? Okay, interesting. But also, I'm, uh, I'm not always a defender of JMS, but I will this time, is Dude wrote all but one episode of Season 5. Mm-hmm. He wrote all of season four, all of season three. And then TNT comes to him and says, okay, now I want you to write crusade, which he is writing as he's doing all of this. And I want you to make three more movies. Okay. So I'll, I'll give him a pass on the fact that he's probably, <laughs> he's probably wearing his fingers down at the typewriter right now and just trying to get something going. Um, which is why a lot of the jokes don't land very well in river of the souls, but um, yeah, what are you going to do? I wonder if JMS understands the power of the word no now, because he didn't so. back then, and right. he still puts out tons of shit. Like if you if you look at all the comics he writes, it's it's just endless. Yeah. Like he just keeps working. He uh, he put out um, again. It's, it's on his Patreon, so I won't go into too much detail. But he put out a few days ago a day in the life uh, of JMS, and basically the man starts writing at you know seven, eight, nine o'clock at night and doesn't finish until the sun comes up every single night. And if you want to get a good uh, um, idea of how he writes in one of his uh, books uh, that came out a few years ago, together we will go, which is a really, it's a good book, but it's, it, it's, it's a hard thing to go through uh, reading that because it's, it deals very much with suicide. So just if anyone hasn't read it yet, I'm throwing it out there in case that's something you don't want to deal with. But uh, there are there are two writers as characters in that in that book, and you can definitely tell that JMS is channeling himself into those two writers, and so you get a better idea of how he writes. And dude's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's one of those writers where he wakes up in the morning and the characters are talking to him, right? And he just has to think about, okay, yeah. what's this character going to do next? That's what I'm going to write, uh, and it just flows out of him. Not to uh, go too far off the movie track, but real quick to that point you just made, one of the best stories I love is uh, Veer kills the Emperor Cartagia. Mm-hmm. He's writing the script, and he said this a couple times. He's writing the script, and up until right before he gets to that page in the script, Londo was going to be the one to kill Cartagia. And then Veer, in the back mm-hmm. of his head, said, no, it should be me. It should be me. Let me do it. And that's how he wrote it. So Veer, the character in JMS's head said, I want to be this person. This makes more sense. And I just love that he, he writes that way. And it makes that moment so much more heartbreaking and unexpected. It reverberates throughout the rest it of does. the series. It it's does. so good. All right. So I'm going to try and guess your next uh, Go for it. third space. Yep. You'd be right. Yeah. That was going to be my my one before river of souls until I watched river of souls again last night, third space again, same idea. Um, Oh, the one thing I forgot to mention river of souls. We also get Ian Ian McShane, which makes me want to go watch Deadwood again. (laughs) Martin Sheen and Ian McShane. Yeah. Yeah. In in a show together on TNT. It's great. Uh, But no, for third space, it's kind of the same idea. I think the, the reason why third space falls a little bit farther for me is it, it it really truly feels like this was a 45 minute episode that got padded to 90 minutes. It really feels that way. There's a lot of stuff in there that just how long do we need to watch Sheridan fly towards the artifact with a new kind of strapped on his back? Uh, it was a lot. We, we got to watch it a lot. It's just stuff like that where it just feels a little too padded for me. Yeah. At least at this point, the um, the visual effects are pretty good. They are. They this, put a lot of time yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're like at an all time high when this movie came out. They looked really good, really sharp. 
the space battles are fun. This is B5 as action movie, right? Yes, which, it is. Which it kind of never was before. I mean, of course, it, it did have some great um, space battles throughout the series. But at this point, it was like, this is just an action movie. And this is also slightly inspired by, um, you know, the uh, Call of Cthulhu. We have a Cthulhu-like alien race. I never really got into um, the the myth of Cthulhu or any of these Cthulhu stories. I understand like the whole like existential threat thing that it represents and, um, and Ooh, tentacles, you know, but yeah, <laughs> that stuff never really grabbed me, but uh, apparently JMS was into it and he kind of worked that into this story. Yeah. yeah this one, I, I can't praise this one too much because it's really just kind of a basic action movie. But I, I kind of love this one. I, it's one that it's the one that I popped in twice, and I can mm, just okay. kind of put on and have in the background and go to it and be like, "Oh shit, that's happening! Cool." It's just it's just kind of a fun, mindless you know movie. And here's the thing that elevates it for me: the scene in the lift, yes, with Zach Allen and Lita. There are differing opinions. Throughout the fandom, I think it's great that not only does Jeff Conway get this meal of a scene, it's all one take, presumably, and he just nails it. So good. And if you know anything about the tragic arc of that guy's real life, seeing him get that win just feels so good. Mm -hmm. I was like rooting for him the whole time. Throughout that, what, like two, three, four minute monologue that he has. And it's so good. And it's so, it's so Zach Allen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. excellent. And then Patricia Tallman just completely being zonked out and, and non-reactive the entire time while this guy is pouring his heart out. It, it's just a master class. It's just so great seeing these two actors get the scene you kind of always wanted them to have in the series where he's expressing what he always wanted to express, what you kind of always knew was there between these two characters, but was never truly explored. Um, some people might say it's, it's you know, they're throwing us a bone, but really it's more than that. I think it's it's emotional, it's funny. It, it the That scene has an arc to itself. I think it's great. I, and I love the line that he says as he walks out, probably better anyway, because after 10 days, I would have asked you to marry me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which again- I believe that. Fact, I still yeah. believe it. Yeah, and we 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 talk about Jeff Conway a lot on our podcast, and this yeah. is uh, unfortunately this is the high point of his career yeah. after the eighties. And he, but I, I'm so glad that he earned that for himself because when he was brought on, much like you know Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man, when he was brought on as Zach Allen in just a couple uh, bit parts, people told JMS, "Don't do it. This guy is going to flake on you. He's going to flake on you. He always flakes," and. JMS gave him a chance and Jeff earned it. And he became one of the main characters of the show because he's a great actor and he earned every single scene that he got in that show. And it's great to watch. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Um, Oh boy. (laughs) What, what's next buddy. I'm going to have to say, even though I still argue it may not be a quote unquote movie, but I would say the Lost Tales are next. Um, for much yeah. the same reason that I say River of Souls, Lockley gets to and Ryan uh, from Yum Yum Podcast has brought this up with Crusade as well too. You'd never get to see Lockley outside of Sheridan's Shadow in season five. With River of Souls and now with the Lost Tales, you get to see Lockley as Lockley, and I I do like the that that episode. I like a lot more than the episode with Sheridan and the, uh, the, imp- the child emperor or whatever. I think the one with the Sh- Sheridan, the child emperor, it doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, but with the one with Lockley and Galen, and again, I've just, I already said Galen's one of my favorite characters. I, I really do like that one with the demon and the, we get to have brother Theo back and all of that. I do enjoy that one um, quite a bit. So um but the other one, yeah. So this is this is the other one I haven't seen. It's straight to DVD, low budget project. Yeah, green screens all the way. It looks green, like yeah, Phantom Menace, <laughs> but not as good. 
Yeah, yeah. I've seen clips on YouTube and yeah, it looks very, you know, weatherman green screen. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I don't want to see the station that way, but I also love the shows and I love these characters. So I'll eventually watch this. Um, So it is Galen. It's so it's kind of two episodes spliced together. Is Galen um, in both of the episodes? Okay. Galen's just in the one with Lockley. Got it. Um, I will say I haven't rewatched this one in a while. So I may be not 100% correct, but I'm pretty sure those two episodes are very distinct and they are their own things. Uh, I will give JMS credit, though. I mean, he was trying to find a way to keep this going. And so he did it on bare bones budget. And his goal, much like what the animated movie is now, his goal was to um, do this more. Like, okay, if these sell, we'll do some more Lost Tales and we'll do some more Lost Tales. And this is how I'll keep it going. So I really appreciate that he took the risk. Uh, it just, it, it, it didn't do anything that people wanted. And because the sales were so dulled and it just, that was the end of it. But we get one more story with Lockley and, and with Galen. And I, I appreciate that. From, from the clips I've seen of the Lost Tales and, you know, it, even though it's 2007, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we're at that point. It just looks so cheap and low budget and it feels like it just feels like emblematic of what Warner has always done with this show. Just not throw resources behind it, not not try to turn it into the next Star Trek or Star Wars, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. I think we're at the bottom two. We got two more. We got two, two more. more. All right. Who's not the bottom of the heap? Let's hear it. Called arms. And I think one the reason why Call to Arms is less because if people I can I can tell already people are yelling at me about how the hell did you put Lost Tales of Hell ahead of Call to Arms? Call to Arms, I cannot watch that show. And it's the re- reason why I can't really watch Crusade that much is I can't stand the soundtrack. I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to do something different. It is weird. That synth soundtrack yeah. drives me nuts. It's grating. And Again, I, I appreciate that they tried something new. Like when we have the space battles with the Excalibur and we go to nothing, it's quiet. It's just the synth background. You see Sheridan yelling fire, but you don't hear him say it and so forth and so on. It's just like that, that movie grades on me, or grates on me because of that soundtrack. That really, truly, I'm giving it like a negative 10 just for that damn music. <laughs> yeah, it is weird, but it's so weird that I, I dig it. <laughs> I think it's just such a weird experimental thing to do. Um, and it continues on in the few episodes I've seen of crusade. Mm-hmm. Like I saw that they did it in the pilot. I was like, Oh, this is what they did in lost tales. It's weird. And kind of doesn't work, but I want more of it. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm a David Lynch fan. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's super odd. But what I like about this movie is that you, you get, a Sheridan who is kind of manic with purpose uh, from beginning to end. And then he connects with other high ranking people in earth gov that are also um, tasked with the same purpose, with the same vigor and risking their careers all for this one quest. And it's a quest movie. And I dig that. You also get to see Garibaldi and Sheridan, you know, together again and being buds which is great, especially after everything they went through in, the, in like season four and season five, especially season four. They were so at odds. They're kind of back together, hanging out in this one. Um, so that's fun. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is not not a great, a great movie. Um, I do love that we get to see Tony Todd. Yes. As an Earth Force captain. Um, he always owns it in sci-fi. I love seeing that guy. But yeah, I can see why it's at the... Uh, near the bottom for you here. I do think the Excalibur is a cool ship. I really do like what they did there. Okay, Scott, tell me, tell me I'm not the guy who made you watch legend of the Rangers in 2024. I do have to rewind a bit because I know that there are people adding me right now on the comments. Okay. I, I just went back cause I didn't watch the lost tales cause I didn't think it was a movie. Yeah. And I'm going back. Galen is not in <laughs> the one with Lockley. He's in the one with Sheridan. And it's not Brother Theo. It's the exact same character called Father Cassidy. So you can tell I haven't watched The Lost Tales since I bought the DVD back in 2007. And I watched it one time. So I need to clear the air. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, 
do you still have more, way more credibility in this than I do? So you're good. Yeah, <laughs> I completely good. just forgot what the Lost Tales, how they work. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so you, I did watch Legend of the Rangers for the first time since I saw it on Sci-Fi Channel back in the day. I was uh, I, so excited when the Sci-Fi Channel finally picked up Babylon 5, not the show proper, but they picked up a, a, a new show about the Rangers. The Rangers were so cool. Marcus was great. And Andreas Katsoulis is coming back. He's Jakar in the movie. Oh my goodness, this is going to be great. And then I turn on the movie and I start watching it. And this girl is punching chips from a holographic room. I don't know what is going on. I don't understand. (laughs) And I still don't. The weirdest, cringiest thing I've ever seen in this entire franchise is that girl going, oh shit, we're about to get into a space battle. Give me a second. I'm going to slide down into this little shaft. It's like, okay, that, that's interesting what's going on. And then I'm going to be suspended in space and do a bunch of kicks and flips while I'm in a 3D representation of the space battle. And the whole time, I, I have this thing called maybe have you, you've seen Star Trek, obviously, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A few times. You've seen Voyager. It's my least favorite, but yes. <laughs> okay. Mine too. Yep. But uh, there's this thing I, I, I have called the Neelix effect where, <laughs> where, you know, if you watch the Voyager, the series proper all the way through, you, you understand they, they do things with a Neelix character and he actually becomes a, 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 a good character, a brave character that you kind of wins you over. Right. But there's no denying that he looks like a furry space clown the entire time. And it's ridiculous. And when I'm watching star Trek Voyager, even if it's one of the good episodes, if somebody who's never seen it or doesn't know about uh, star Trek walks into the room and sees Neelix on the screen and sees me watching Neelix on the screen and enjoying it, I feel very embarrassed <laughs> and, and cringy, right? And so there's what happened in Legend of the Rangers when this woman is punch gunning whatever she's doing. That's definitely the Neelix effect. It is embarrassing to watch. Uh, my wife walked into the uh, into the living room when I was watching this. She's like, what the hell? Are you, what is it? Stop this. <laughs> this is embarrassing for you. Please don't watch this. <laughs> but yeah. I, I do know that that was like a concession, right? They had like other plans for that sequence, but it just ended up being that. So yeah. Yeah. good old, uh, as JMS always runs into, you mm-hmm. have budget cuts and he has to deal with it. But I will say, even though I, I put it at the bottom of my list and it is at the very bottom of my list, it's still a story by JMS. It allows us to see Andreas one more time because this is in 2002. He will pass in 2006. So we don't get him in Lost Tales because he's already unfortunately gone. And it's directed by Mike Vehar, who is one of my favorite directors from the show. Mm. Uh, So it's at least got some weird directorial decisions that, unlike the Kung Fu scene, um, are kind of fun to watch. You can definitely tell it's a Vehar movie. But yeah, no, this is... I'm so glad that B5 didn't end <laughs> with Legends of the Rangers. I'm just glad it didn't end with that. One of the crew members is a Drazi, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Like, yeah. I, I like the way they set up this crew. They're, you know, they're pretty ragtag. They're kind of Firefly-ish, you know? I think there was potential here for a series if they would have worked out some of these visual kinks and maybe the cast had time to gel, all those things that you say when the pilot's not good and you think the show's going to get good. I think all that's true about this. I don't think it was completely a shit show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But yeah, I can see why it's definitely uh, low on your list. Although it is just so weird <laughs> that I love it. And I found it at Half Price Books on DVD for seven ninety nine. I said, that's too much money for this, but I'm going to buy it. So, <laughs> so I do have it. So, yeah. And I will be talking about this one because it's just too weird not to ignore, not to Excellent. do a whole. I look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have fun with this one. Um, 
I appreciate you watching some of these movies over the past several days. Um, just to be on this podcast, you you did me a, a great favor in doing that and in being on the show. So thanks so much, Scott. I appreciate it. It's wonderful being here. Um, as you've seen, what I want to do with this fandom is get as many of us to kind of share our our love for this show amongst ourselves, but also with anyone who's listening. So we also have the, uh, the league of non-aligned podcasts and uh, I'll take out my sword and tap your shoulders and say, we need to get you on the league. So uh, you can join in those conversations as well too. Cause it's just fun talking about this show, man. Yeah, it really is. And yeah, thanks for the invitation. You have an open invitation to come on this pod whenever you like. Um, we do have a couple of series we're doing. This is uh, the new Babylon 5 series, obviously. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, we're doing Essential Stargate with my co-host Clyde Haynes. Not sure how your mileage varies on Stargate. but uh, I watched Universe and I really enjoyed it, but I, honestly, I've never watched SG-1 or the other shows. Uh, I get dogged by that by a couple of my co-hosts every time, yeah. but I, I, I'm pissed off that Universe ended where it did. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah, same here. My co-host on the Essential Stargate series is a Stargate OG, and I'm going through SG-1 for the first time with him. So it's kind of like a, you know, a first one's newbie situation that you have Mm -hmm. on your pod, so it's pretty fun. I'm also doing a series on Essential Sci-Fi movies, just getting some film critics and friends together to um, talk about some of the greatest movies out there. And um, I'm also doing one that I used to call Inessential Sci-Fi, (laughs) Um, and now i'm calling sci-fi b-sides just i don't want to be that disrespectful anymore but um on that one let me just tell you what we've covered so far so you kind of get the gist we covered uh cleopatra 2525 yeah i looked at your back catalog Ah, okay all right (laughs) i saw them good old space truckers i saw and (laughs) and space truckers next on the list is uh gene roddenberry's andromeda oh Kevin Sorbo and all yep. his Hercules glory. Yes. yes. So, so look forward to that. But um, yeah, essential Babylon five will be a series ongoing and uh, it's essentially just going to be kind of a hodgepodge of talking about different uh, Babylon five projects and topics. Nice. So, and hopefully the future stuff that we're, we're hoping we're going to get right. Rock on wood. All right, Scott, uh, tell us more about your pod, where to find it, what to do. Yeah. You can find us by searching Grace 17 Podcast on any of your platforms for podcasts. And also we're on YouTube again, just search Grace 17 Podcast. And we come out every week uh, with a new episode. Next week is going to be Lines of Communication. So we are knee deep in season four. And uh, we just love having people come in and join the conversation and share this show with us. It's it's great. And so uh, check us out, please. And again, if you're a B5 fan and you haven't listened to Gray 17, what are you doing? Come on. Just, <laughs> just There's a few on. of them out there. <laughs> there might but be. No. Uh, whenever you watch any uh, 80s or 90s sci-fi, man, I'm there. I'm there. Let me know. <laughs> All right. I'll keep you to that. I got my He-Man power sword behind me, so I'm good to go. Fair and by right. the way, Masters of the Universe is a classic. I stand behind that. I agree. I have a, I have a faker just over to my right, a faker figure. So um, are you looking forward to revolution? Yeah. I liked the first one. I did. Me too. Me too. Uh, yeah. I, Kevin Smith is uh he's an interesting cat. So I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Listener, find the pod at intergalacticpod.co. Find us on threads and Insta at intergalacticpod. Make sure to sub, sub on YouTube. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.